Hi, this is Sean Epperson with Saying 12 Games, and I'm here on Legends of Tabletop. Hey everybody, I want to apologize here on the front end. Uh, apparently I was Mr. Roboto for this interview. Uh, I found this out as I was going back to edit later. There's not too much I can do to clean up that sort of distortion in the audio. Uh, I hope you don't hate it. Sean's a great guy and uh, Dice of Pirates is an awesome game and I hope you guys uh, were able to stick through this one and uh, hope you'll go out and check out their Kickstarter project. Hey everybody, how's it going? We've got Sean with us again. He's a become a fairly regular participant these days of all the <laughs> wonderful Kickstarters that they have going. How's it going, sir? Yeah, it's going well, sir. I am excited to be back on talking with you again. Yay! Cool. <laughs> That's what I like to hear. <laughs> That's cool. Uh, so uh, you've got a new Kickstarter going for a Dice of Pirates since vaguely similar to something that you've had before so you guys are fully funded so congrats that's awesome yay thank you thank you yeah we're uh, excited that we funded within the first oh gosh what was it uh let me think about that first day right for sure it was, it was definitely the first day i think we funded in 11 hours 10 hours something like that we basically beat our previous time by uh seven hours so nice yay <laughs> we shaved <we laughs> a lot off and just made it a little quicker so that was cool that's good. And so as I was doing research, I was going through and watching Kickstarter video. Uh, Bill's voiceover for the whole pirate thing was awesome. Like he just <laughs> nailed it. It was so good. Yeah, Bill actually does a lot of voiceover stuff. So he works with me uh, at our day job. And one of his side gigs is he just does voiceover stuff. Like he's done some work on some books and um, he's in a, um, a band where he does singing acapella type stuff. Really, really talented guy, and he can do a lot of different voice types. Um, where we like, he carpools with us in the morning, and he's hilarious. So we'll be, he'll make jokes and you know, voices of Yoda or voices of Christopher Walken or whatever. He's super talented. So um, getting him to do the voiceover stuff with us was kind of a no-brainer. And in fact, he was down for it. I was super excited. So yeah, he was like, "All right, you can do pirates. Sure, it's gonna be cool." <laughs> Nice. I will file that away in the back of my memory, and that, that may come up later on. Who knows? I, you know, we'll see what happens. <laughs> so, so Pirates is, is the next game in the, in the Dice of Universe. Uh, how many, do you have like a set number, like a pre-plan, like, oh, we're going to do three of these or four of these? Is there any kind of... Uh... We are looking at doing three. Okay. So there definitely will be another Dice of game uh, coming. We haven't... You'll, People that uh, get the Dice of Pirates game, they'll get a little surprise in their tin when they open it up to see what the next one is. Um, we're definitely going for this sort of like trilogy approach to the universe. And then we'll see where we go. Like we might branch into a different universe or, you know, something different Different with that. I don't, I'm not sure. We'll, we'll kind of see how, uh, how fate takes us, if you will. Okay. Was that the plan going in? Were you inspired by like AEG, like what they did with the Tempest universe, or was just like, oh, this is a you know this is a cool mechanic, this is a cool idea, 
you know, can we parlay this into, you know, a series of parlay. <laughs> um, <laughs> when so when Badger brought the original Dice of Crowns to me, I knew it was something that was really cool. But from a company standpoint, a publisher standpoint, I wanted to have things that were more evergreen. You know, things that we could we could grow and uh, continue to bring interesting things to the game playing audience. If they really like this title, you know, what what more can we do to kind of keep this brand alive and and make it a living thing? And uh, we talked about early on, like, well, what would be the next thing we'd kind of want to do? And actually, pirates was the next thing we wanted to do. Um, and then early, probably about midway through Dice of Crowns, we're like, okay, what's going to be the third thing we want to do? So we've already got an idea of that and, and uh, some early, very early uh, testing of, you know, how the gameplay might work with it. So we're already starting in on that. Okay. Well, pirates and, and ninjas are a thing, so I'm going to put my money on ninjas, <laughs> but I, you know. I'd love to hear what people what people think it's going to be. Uh, I I hope it will be. So, I think it's going to be something people are really going to dig uh, because there's some extra things that we're going to tie into it. So um, much like how uh, Dice of Pirates is is a one-off to itself, but also has a tie-in back to Dice of Crowns. Okay, and, and I, I read somewhere, heard you talking about it, that there's a way for those two games to interact. Has that all been worked out yet? Is that something that you guys are still sort of, you know, nailing down? From a gameplay standpoint, it's something that we are still in the testing progress on. Um, and that's actually one of the, going to be one of the stretch goals. Uh, if the backers can get it, then you know that's a rule set that we'll actually add in uh, to the game. Uh, so you'll be able to play Dice of Pirates versus Dice of Crowns. Uh, so there's a reason to actually have both, uh, that they can be played together you know, against each other, the, the pirates fighting against the royals. Oh, very nice. All right. Well, I, you know, like I, I said to you off air, you know, you get to attack other players in Dice of Pirates. So I'm all in for that because I, I like that <laughs> screw you element of the uh, of the game. So uh, you, you've won me over. I've got to get in. And I was going to pledge anyway, but, you know. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> yeah. When we've had some people ask, so is Dice of Pirates just a reskin of Dice of Crowns? That's a viable question, you know, because there's some publishers that do that, right? It's the quick and easy thing to do. Um, um, that's not something that we like. Like we want to make sure that when we're working on a game, that we're giving people something unique and interesting. Um, talk to Badger at the very beginning was okay. The next game is going to have elements in it that are part of Dice of, of Crowns. There has to be some some piece that you'll recognize. Go, oh yeah, this is this is tantamount to the feeling of the dice of games. And then we have to have some new things that are, that are going to be, you know, wholly new and, and interesting and, and make it feel thematic to whatever the game is. So in this case, it was pirates. So we knew it had to have a feel of, of aggression, it had to have a feel of just like, you know, going after people and, and versus where dice of crowns so a little more backstabby and making alliances and being kind of sneaky and schemey. Mm. And, and it's cool the, the, all the games that you've had out so far have that social aspect to it click click boom uh, obviously you know much more to the forefront right um, but but also with the dice games as well like you know for for pirates like if you roll the treasure 
you're like, okay, I'll give this back to you, but I want you to attack, you know, Bill or Sally or whatever, because otherwise I'm, I'm not going to, you know, I'm going to give you the Kraken and you're out, you know? Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I've actually done that with uh, some people at the tables where uh, the two of us would roll a Kraken and we'd be looking at each other like, okay, look, you send that Kraken to me. It's coming right back. This one's coming back <laughs> at you, buddy. We can, we can screw this person over together. A little mutual work here. Yeah. Okay, fine. Great. So we'll do that. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely cool because I, I think, you know, for most people looking at it, be like, oh, it's just, you know, it's a dice game. It's, it's whatever. It's a luck thing. Uh, you know, so to have this like sort of social interaction uh, element to it, I, you know, I don't think it would be like forefront of most people's minds. So it's interesting, you know, when I when I hear you talk about it, I'd be like, oh yeah, you can definitely do this. It's like, oh, well, that's cool. You can do that. That's, why aren't we doing that already? Like, why aren't we doing that with all of our games? <laughs> right. Yeah. For me, like being a gamer, the thing that I really enjoy about tabletop gaming is the interaction with other people, right? You know, being able to make alliances and being able to uh, engage with people, you know, in, in some manner within the game. I'm not as interested in solitaire games, you know, where it's just like I'm doing my thing and everything I'm doing is whole encapsulated within my turn and I'm not talking or engaging with you at all. You know, I, I prefer those games where something I'm doing can can affect you in a way and, and something you're doing can affect me and you know we're kind of working against each other or you know we're partnering with people and things like that. I, I think that's what makes a, a gaming experience a lot more interesting and something that you can't always get in like a digital game or something like that. You know, you can have those those solitaire experiences in a in a digital game. Sure. by myself sure whatever and that's cool if that's you know your thing but if you have some of your buddies together like it's just it's so much more fun if you're engaging with people at the table right now is, is that uh, is that an inherent difference between a euro style and an american style game that that social aspect because the euros are so uh, heavy mechanical does that yeah. dissuade people from that more social aspect of the game? Because you're, you know, trying to plan three, four moves ahead, and where am I going to, you know, put my guys, and how am I going to, you know, turn these sorts of things to my advantage? I think so. Uh, you're starting to see a little bit more theme creep into the Euro games now, um, in that kind of like crossover of Euro with a little bit of Ameritrash and Ameritrash with a little bit of Euro and things like that. Um, it might just be the sensibilities of what, you know, Americans are more like the rough and tumble uh, where, you know, the way the Europeans have kind of like approached their, their gameplay and game designs a lot more methodical and a lot more planned out and mechanical. Um, yeah. I don't know. It's this, that's the thing that I, I really dig. And, and uh, I think it makes it a lot easier for people to kind of get into as well when there is that social element, it's not, which encourages people to kind of like de-plug from everything else and plug into each other. Yeah. I mean, that's the kind of is what it's all about. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> cool. Well, you're talking about, you know, whether or not it was a rescan, you know, obviously you guys have some new mechanics and it sort of changed some things around. Um, because there is a certain element of familiarity, you're like, oh, this is a dice up game. I know how this works. And then they get it and like, oh, that's, well, it's not that, you know, it's, it's different. It's weird. Like, why, why is this this way? So have you had any sort of pushback from people who have, you know, love dice of crayons that come in, oh, great, you've got a new one, let's play it. Like, oh, wait, why is that? Ooh, is that I don't, like, what's happening? All right. Uh, no, actually, they've 
been able to, to grok it pretty quickly. Uh, and that's because uh, I think we chose the right elements that were core to the gameplay. So um, there were there were three basically design pillars that we had to stick with. One is a rule of three. So in Dice of Crowns, get three crowns, you get a crown token. Uh, get three skulls, you can get a fade token. Uh, in Dice of Pirates, uh, get three gold, you can get a, go a coin from the sea. Three krakens and you're out. So it's definitely that familiarity there. Like three of a thing gets me something or something happens. Um, another piece was having to send dice out to other players to be able to like bring them in and, and engage with them, keep them active on your turn. So in this case, it's the ships that you're sending out to other players versus the scrolls. And color-wise, we're actually keeping them kind of the same. So the scrolls are brown, the ships are brown. Uh, the krakens are red and the daggers are red. So color-wise, you should immediately know, oh, this brown symbol here, I bet I know what happens with this thing. Without even looking at the rules, you should be able to kind of kind of grok that. And sure. it seems like players have, the ones that are familiar with Dice of Crowns that have played it, like, oh yeah, I get you know these things here, this happens, okay, cool, I get that. And then I show them the new stuff, and they're like, oh, that's interesting, that's cool, it's something different. Right, and I, it makes it a little bit deeper too. Like there's there's uh, more strategy involved because of the new mechanics of of you know being able to plunder other players and, and steal coins and things. So it, it does add another layer. It's still a beer and pretzel style game, but it does give you you know slight slightly more complexity than what you had with with dice crowns. Yeah, and I think it plays well into that that push your luck element, right? So you're you have to really decide like well. Okay, I'm really close to winning. You know, I could go after this guy and, and just go for the big win, but I could lose a whole bunch as well. Do I need to play it safe? And it's going to be harder for me to get the, the three coins I need just to get one. So, yeah, and seeing people kind of like kind of ponder through that a little bit, like, ah, screw it, I'm just going to go for the big win, you know, <laughs> like the Vegas style. Or like, they're going for it. I'm like, all right, that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> What's that? I mean, that's the thing I like too. Like even even the you know like a low strategy game or you know beer and pretzel style game. There's like you still have to make choices. There's still things that happen, and and some of it may be based on luck. Some of it may be you know based on the choice that you're making or comes back around to that choice that you made. But you still have to decide to do a thing, and it may not be like oh I'm going to plan twelve moves ahead, but I'm still making a decision, and whatever happens. I've made that choice and then, you know, the game plays from there. Like I, I really enjoy that aspect of like, you know, we, I've been playing Hannah McCoji a ton and we've been talking about it a little bit of like through Instagram and, and I like it. The art is beautiful. Uh, the, the, the gameplay is interesting and it's so frustrating because you have very little agency. You only get to play yeah. one card that you know for sure that you're going to play. And then everything is just like left in the wind. And it's like, I, what? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I I really like the concept of I pick, you choose, uh, because it's a really difficult choice to really push through, right? My wife and I were playing it last night for the and her for the first time, and she got to point. She's like, ah, these are terrible decisions. Like all of these <laughs> choices I have are just terrible. I don't want to do any of these things. Right. But that's an interesting trying to think to kind of puzzle through right but i think kind of maybe one of the downsides is that that game is like 99 percent i pick you choose yeah so it might be just a little too much that way where you don't really get to make your choices i don't know uh, 
I, I can definitely see people having having that problem with it. Yeah, yeah, two of, the, two of your four choices are, you know, left up to somebody else. Because your other option is to bury two cards, and it's like, well, okay, but, like, how much of an option is that really? Right, yeah. You're like, well, okay, this, uh, I guess I guarantee that you're not going to get this, but I'm screwing myself out of it, too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, that's what I, I hate the most, just because I understand why they have it in there from a account standpoint, but it almost seems like anything would have been better than toss two cards away. Like that's just a terrible choice. Like that, that benefits nobody. And just the last thing that you always end up playing just cause you're like, well, okay, I'm pitching these, I guess. Cause that's the last thing I can do. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so Badger uh, designed Dice of Pirates as well. Same designer for Dice Crowns. Uh, mm -hmm. did, did, so did he like come fully complete? Like this is what we have, or do you have, you know, input, uh, you know, into the design process as far as like, you know, Hey, we, you know, we have this dice of mechanic, but you know, you know, as you guys are manipulating and adding mechanics and things like how much input do you have, you know, with that aspect of, of the gaming? Uh, probably a lot more than a typical designer publisher relationship. Uh, Badger and I have been friends for a long time. So um, he'll, he'll give me like his very early prototype, like, okay, here's what I'm thinking. Right. And we'll kind of go through it or we'll, we'll, we'll talk through it or he'll print up the dice and we'll just kind of like play through it. And we'll talk about, well, what's not working, what things we could do. And we'll spit all different ideas. Um, so, you know, there's some things in there that, that I've contributed uh, to help kind of bring it, bring it forward. Uh, he'll take an idea of mine and maybe like twist it and spin it a little bit. Um, it might be a little off. He's like, well, I like where you're going with it, but I feel like it's too, a little too far out. So what if we do this instead? Hey, that's a great idea. So we definitely have kind of a, a camaraderie, you know, a, a designer uh, developer uh, relationship that we work well together on. Well, that's good. Do you guys, is there ever a point where you're like, oh, we should do this? And he's like, no, we're, no, we're just not, we're not going to do that. <laughs> uh, sometimes. Yeah. Like I'll sometimes I'll just like throw out wild ideas just to kind of, I know it may be a bad idea, but it's more of like, um, I'm trying to kickstart ideas going and, and kind of get him into that thinking space. Right. Um, and so you're like, oh no, that's that's a terrible idea. Well, yeah, I know it's a terrible <laughs> idea, but what do you have to counter? You know, come back with something. You know, against that. Um, and our whole team is a little bit like that as well. Uh, uh, Darren, the artist, and Chris, our illustrator, uh, both of those guys tend to have you know input on different things. Um, they offered up some ideas for the uh, when you have uh, seven daggers in Dice of Crowns. Some of those ideas came directly from the team. You know, and and their input on things. So, um, we tend to be a lot more collaborative uh, with, you know, one person definitely having the say. So, like Badger owns the design. If someone has an idea, like, oh, I'd really like to see this. Like, well, if Badger agrees that it's a good idea, and I, as the publisher, agree that yeah, we need to have that in there, then sure, we can go ahead and do that. Um, the the flip side of that is sometimes discussions can get a little heated or a little crazy, right. and uh, I have to kind of rein people back. Like, okay, we've we've really gone off the rails on this. We need to dial this way the hell back. Uh, this is the direction we're gonna go. Uh, we need to kind of like shut the discussion down. Cool. Thanks everybody. Really appreciate your input, but you know this is what we're gonna we're gonna do now. <laughs> <laughs> 
But that means everybody's engaged and everybody's passionate and everybody's, you know, into the things that are going on. So that's it's not necessarily a bad thing. I mean, you don't want, you know, fistfights in the boardroom, but. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, most of our collaborations are through email. So it, it's, <laughs> I can, I can start to see things go a little awry and then I can like message someone, you know, kind of on, on the side, like, yo, uh, you know, this is kind of. Going a little crazy. Let's you know, let's let's chill out here, and I'll you know talk him off a off a cliff essentially. Because we're like, oh my god, what's going on? Just you know, freaking me out. Like, no, 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 I got this. It's cool. I'll, I'll handle it. <laughs> and again, you know, we're we're all creative types, right? Everybody's got you know uh, different ideas, and and the fact that the team is very passionate about the game and about wanting to create something really awesome and great, and and something that you know is really worth people's money and time uh that's something i'm really happy about you know i, I like that we have that sort of uh that sort of teamwork you know that we can kind of get everybody you know wrapped up into it and and everybody kind of gets you know a little bit of their say cool that's awesome um you want to talk about you know some of the changes to the mechanics that we've been sort of dancing around what <laughs> what, uh, what changes in dice of pirates from dice of crowns uh, sure. So the probably the biggest change is uh, direct combat with someone. So if you're a pirate, like it's it's about aggression, right? You, you want to go after someone, and uh, you do that through the the combat dice. So uh, when two of the die faces on there, um, I think in the the print and play version, uh, it, it looks like uh, swords because we're doing 3D prints, and that was just the easiest thing to do: crossed swords, right? Um, but the the die symbol, if you look on Kickstarter, uh, it's the Jolly Roger symbol. So you can use those if you have at least three rules three. Uh, if you have at least three of those, uh, then you can use them to attack someone. And you take all your dice which have Jolly Rogers, and you roll them. And every coin you get, you're stealing a coin from someone. And every ship that you get, it's going out to them. So all of a sudden, it kind of like boils down to this you versus me, mano a mano, we're going to duke it out. And I'm going to try and steal as much gold from you as I can. And you're going to try and steal as much gold back. So it's definitely not a, a guaranteed thing. It's, it's a high risk, but there's a lot of high reward too. And uh, when we when we've done play tests, it, there's there's that Vegas feel, right? You see people, everybody are like, just kind of gripping the table going, oh my, oh my God, oh, oh, he did that. Holy crap! He got five coins. Ah, like everybody starts yelling and freaking out. <laughs> uh, different roles that show up. So that's again, that's really great. You know, seeing people really that energized about it and and getting that caught up in the the excitement. That that's awesome. Yeah, it's good for like those Munchkin style players who's like, I just I don't care what happens. I just want to attack you. Like that's my my <laughs> whole purpose for existence right now. <laughs> well, and the interesting thing, so. In Dice of Crowns, um, it sort of self-balances itself. So the person that you typically want to send dice to is a person that's doing the worst. So you don't want to give them to a big threat. So you're going to give them the person that's actually like in, in the bottom end. And the same thing with Dice of Pirates. The person that you're going to hand off ships to, it's the person that doesn't have a whole lot of gold, maybe doesn't have any. Um, interesting thing, there there's no player illumination. So if you lose all of your gold, you're still in the game. And actually, right. you become one of the biggest threats at the table. I, I've just kind of like realized as we're going, as we've been playtesting, the person with no gold, they've got nothing to lose. 
one, sure, you get five gold from them. Hey, guess what? I'm poor. Go ahead and steal from the board. <laughs> You're getting jack. But I can just steal whatever I want from you or whatever I can, you know, roll from you. Uh, right. One of the other the new pieces that we added was uh, a ship sent to you off uh, some of the active player's roll and you roll a coin, you can actually choose to flip that to any other side, which typically you, you would just send back, you know, whatever you rolled. Um, with a coin, if you give them a coin, that's a benefit to them, you get a, uh, a plunder token. And that plunder token actually increases your attack, so it makes you stronger. And you'll see people kind of like scan the table and go, oh, that guy's got a lot of attack over there. I need to kind of stay away from him or maybe like, well, he's starting to build up a, a fleet of forces over there. I need to go just attack him just to knock that down a little bit. So he doesn't become this like crazy threat. Um, unchecked, you know, you go into a combat and you've got seven plunder tokens or something crazy. Like you're going to clean house with somebody because those plunder tokens basically are coins. When you go into combat, you choose how much you want to spend. So say I go into a combat with you, I've got, Say I've got uh, four plunder tokens. We roll dice. Uh, you get maybe you've got two coins. I get one. Well, I can use those four. Cancel out one of your, your coins, and then I've got three more that I could spend. Like okay, yeah, I'll just take three of your coins now. I have to use these to do it. Things <laughs> um, that we added was uh, the ship that's in the game, which we were able to unlock the the cool three D. Uh, the ship is actually a functioning piece in the game. So you get control of the ship by spending two of your plunder tokens. Once you've got it, that ship is now fighting for you. And every time you go into combat, you get an automatic plus one. So you're just stronger at the table. You don't have to spend it to do that. Um, the downside is that it's a fickle, it's a fickle friend uh, <laughs> because it's going to fight for the best pirate. And if you lose a combat, that ship goes over to the other player. So, right. you know, people really seem to, to, to dig that. In, in Dice of Crowns, the crown was the trophy, and they were it was you know exciting to get it. And in this, like, oh, this is a thing that I get to use. This is a this is a piece of the game that that we can you know incorporate in a gameplay. Right. And again, you know, it's one of those things. It's like, okay, do I do I do that, and it's going to screw me, or I let the other guy do it, and then you know, hopefully, I can take it from him because I I roll better than he does, and I didn't have to do anything. I just get it now. Yeah. <laughs> Who's gonna pull the trigger and get in the ship first? Yeah, yeah. So it, it, you know, again, it's interesting. It's not like you know, super complex or whatever. But it, you know, again, it's a decision of like, how do I want to approach this? Like, I like that's what I. I mean, other than than the social interaction stuff, it's it's all those little decisions that you make in game that I really enjoy. I'm like, I'm not great. Like, I'll lose a shit ton of games all the time, but I still enjoy playing because you you own that like i like i did this and it didn't work like so maybe i'll try something different next time you know yeah yeah it's it's kind of funny to see that the psychology of how people react to things like if someone gets the ship they lose it they may want to like a lot of times they may want to go after that person strategic slighted right like you stole that from me you jerk no i'm gonna come <laughs> back at you strategic this guy over here is better to go after. No, I'm going, I want my ship back, damn it. Like, yeah. okay, sure, go ahead. It's, it's funny to see, you know, people, you know, the the ownership that people have of, of things and how that can really impact the gameplay and how things play out. Have you found in, in playtesting, like, so, you know, if I get three uh, Jolly Rogers, I, I can plunder. 
does it pay to plunder with three, or is there some tipping point where it's like, oh, I'm this is better at four or five if I can swing it? You know, it, three. Th- I mean, there really isn't a tipping point because again, you're having to roll the dice, right? You're yeah. setting everything aside, and statistically uh you are you have a higher probability if you're going in fighting with seven dice like you can easily pretty easily get uh seven seven of your your plunder tokens or seven of your plunder dice right combat dice strike okay i've got seven here we go now again it's a big risk so if you roll seven chips wow that guy's (laughs) got a whole chance to come mess your world up so it's there really isn't a like well I, i always need this number so which I think kind of plays out well, right? It's, it's a, a fun thing to do. It might be better from a risk reward standpoint of like, well, I need two. Maybe I'm just going to use four. You know, I, I, I have, if I go into combat, I have to use whatever swords I've got. So I need to sort of balance that out as well. Like what's my risk here? Am I really mm-hmm. willing to risk five to try and get it? Cause that could screw me over. Well, I'm just going to risk, you know, three. So, right. Right. So it's interesting. So like, you know, in, in the previous iteration, you have to reroll all of the same. But so if you have five plunder dice, you could, you know, wager two or wager three and hold some in re- You know, you have your crew in reserve. So, right. you know, if you roll three ships, you're like, oh, shit, you know, you know, or if you roll, if you roll all five, you roll all ships, you're like, oh, crap, I'm going to get screwed now. Because what are yep. the odds they roll five ships? Um, so right. that, so that, that's interesting too to to because like I would be like fuck I'm just gonna roll them all and then be like oh maybe I shouldn't have done that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah the the choice of like what are your you're choosing your role like again like much like with dice of crowns like everything's rolled as sets right so um, so you've got uh, four combat dice uh, you've got two scrolls and you've got a kraken like well okay are you you can choose to reroll those two or scrolls geez you can choose to reroll those two ships. And try and get some more combat. Risk of you know rolling up into more of those krakens. So maybe you just go ahead and take the easy way out and just take the combat that you've got and, and swing into combat that way. Right. That's cool. I, yeah, I, I I dig it. I I think I might not having played it, but I but I just talking about. It, I think I might like this one more than than Dice of Crowns. <laughs> I've, I've had some people say that. Some people are like, I dig it a little bit more just because of that that direct combat, you know, that visceral feel. Um, where I've had some people say, well, I like Dice of Crowns a bit more. You know, that's fine too. Like they, they they have a different feel, and that was something that we really wanted. Like we wanted them to feel thematically like what we're building them as, right? So. You know, um, some people are more like, oh, I just I like both because then I have both. I have options. Right? I've got people mm-hmm. here that might be more into a little, uh, you know, backstabbery, or I've got people here that are like they're my aggressive play group. Like they're really going to be into into crowns. So, you know, that's the fact that you've got that sort of option. I think is kind of cool. Yeah, yeah, but my my Venn diagram would totally be like antagonistic, not. not <laughs> I, you know, I enjoy some co-op games, but that's that's definitely not my 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 ballywick. I I want to like as I play a lot of two-player stuff, so like it's it's almost always you know a struggle against someone else. You know, and, and when we, you know we play three and occasionally four. Like we played Samurai today. Uh, I'm teaching at our, our local uh, conve- gaming convention is this weekend Rincon up oh, in right uh, up in Tucson. 
So I, last year was the first year I went, and then I was like, you know, we did uh, panels at Necronomicon this year, and I was like, shit, I'm going to sign up to, to do some, you know, teach some games and do another panel at Tucson Comic Con this, this year coming up in another couple of weeks. So uh, so we've been playing it all week because I haven't played it forever, but shit, I don't even remember how to play this game. But it, it, it's the same sort of thing. It's, it's uh, you know, there's... It's not necessarily antagonistic, but there are a couple of, of tokens in the game where you can... Uh, so there's three castes in the game. So there's uh, the agriculture, which is represented by rice, uh, military, which is castles, and uh, religion, which is Buddha. Mm-hmm. So you, you place your, your uh, tiles around you know, the spots on the board, and then as they get enclosed, whoever has the highest influence takes the piece and you know, has that influence over thing. So, but there's a tile that will allow you to take one of those cast pieces and switch it out from somebody so somebody might have invested like three or four tiles and like i'm gonna get it and you're like oh you've got you know six influence of religion on that okay cool there's a castle here now and i'm gonna put my you know two points of castle influence and i'm just gonna take it <laughs> like, wow <laughs> so that's how we've been playing this week <laughs> nice <laughs> and i don't yeah. like it's not even in the intention of that game i don't i mean i guess kind of because the piece is in there but you know yeah, I, my playstyle tends to be a little bit more attacky, antagonistic as well. Um, the joke on on my gaming group is that uh, if if it's competitive or if it's cooperative, it's competitive. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I mean, co ops co are okay. I, I think they can they can be a good way of, of teaching people games because they're working together. And the thing I don't like about co-ops is that they, they usually tend to suffer from the alpha syndrome. You know, one player kind of, you know, running the table and directing everyone. They're like, oh, that's not as much fun. Um, versus, you know, antagonistic. like everybody's, you know, out for each other. We can team up maybe for a little bit, but, you know, definitely it's a one person's going to win. Um, and that's actually one of the things that we're, we're working at with the dice of pirates versus dice of crowns is that there's a little, it's a basically a one versus many. And you have the pirates fighting against one player who's the Royal. They were the, the winner of the crown and the pirates have two ways they can win. And one of the ways they can win is that ends and the others lose. So there's a bit of a balance of like, well, we, we, we're working together here to do this thing, but then at some point you're like, no, screw you guys. I want to win. I want the victory for me. Like, F you guys. So, I, I, again, that felt very piratey as well, right? So, like, yeah, we'll we'll work together, wink, wink, touch, touch. <laughs> yeah, screw you. I'm taking everything for myself for the, the glory. They're the very uh, Jack Sparrow. <laughs> right? <laughs> I win more. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, cool. but so so this is the third one. You're you're you guys are kind of fun. I mean, you guys are are blowing it away. You're you know pulling through stretch goals. So third successful Kickstarter. Is it any easier now having done it a couple of times? Does the project sort of present its own unique challenges? Um, I'd say that actually they still present challenges. Uh, the fact that um, there's no guarantee, right? So. Uh, we like to hope that uh, the game that we put up is going to be interesting to people that, uh, you know, that Dice of Pirates is going to be something people wanted. Uh, they were 
all the preliminary stuff we were doing leading up to that, that was a whole lot of work, right? Like kind of getting people interested and kind of like teasing them out and showing, oh, here's this thing that we're working on. And so that was a lot of work. And then once your game funds, you don't really have the ability to kind of like sit back and relax. Like you sort of have to like stay on top of things because you have to keep people engaged, right? So we're always working on like, okay, what stretch goals do we need to have available? How far out should they be? You know, a lot of times we're kind of adjusting that behind the scenes uh, in order to be able to keep backers engaged so that things aren't too far out. If it's something's too far out and people aren't really engaging, like, well, maybe we need to push this in a little bit so it's you know a little easier to get to for this next one. Um, listening to what people are talking about in the forums, like, oh, what kind of things are you guys interested in seeing? Oh, we'd like to see blah, blah, blah. Like, yeah, that's something we could do. That's that's interesting. So we'll talk about it and figure out, you know, what's the cost on that and then see if we can work that into the stretch goals. So that sort of thing. Cool. And it's interesting now, like, you, you know, you're seeing uh, a lot more on the like the social stretch goals aspects of stuff. So we get, you know, so many retweets, so many followers on on Twitter or Instagram and things like, you know, there's always you know another level of like, what am I getting, you know, you know for for this level of engagement? Like, you know, the game's ten bucks. Like, you're getting an awesome game for ten bucks. Like, it's right. worth it on its face. If there were no stretch goals at all, like obviously the you know the quality increases are nice. Like you know the from silk screen dice to engraved dice and you know all that stuff. So, like it's never a bad thing, but um, you know just like you're getting something cool for ten bucks. Like you can stick it in your pocket, you take it to work, you play at lunch, you take it to school, you play at lunch. Like it, you know, it, it's like that fits my wheelhouse perfect. Like I love a light game. I don't know what that says about me. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I think to that to that point, one of the things that I've noticed, like as much as I like the big, bigger, heavier, longer games, the ones that I find I'm most likely or able to play much more often are the ones that are lighter, that take, you know, 10 minutes or 15 minutes or 20, 30 minutes. Those things that you can play over your lunch break, right? You're going to get to the table a whole lot more often. They're usually things that you can teach to people that aren't necessarily like gamer core gamers. They're maybe new to the whole hobby. And I, I think that is, as gamers, that's something like, oh, hey, I can game with this group, or I can get into this, or you know, I can and do these things. I don't have to figure out like, okay, uh, we, this is a three-hour game. When the hell am I going to be able to get this to the table? This is an awesome game, but Jesus, it's three hours. When is this going to be able to happen? Right? Mm -hmm. It's it's just so much harder to schedule, and then you got to plan. Everybody's, oh, can you do this weekend? Oh, I'm busy, or I can only do it from this time to this time. Well, I can do it this time, this time. Like, oh my God, this is never going to happen. So, the smaller ones, just you can make happen. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds just like running a podcast. When can we get this game in? When can we? When can we do this interview? Oh well, you know, like Thursday at four. It's like, what? What are we? <laughs> Come on. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Speaking of podcasts, I don't know if we talked about this the last time you were on, but you're uh, co-hosting or or itinerantly co-hosting on BJ Shea's Geek Nation podcast. Yeah. Yeah. We uh, started up. I think we're on episode 18 something like that <clears throat> um we're trying to do about uh once every other week and uh the show's format's been changing a little bit as far as like time uh that's just because of the um the people that hold like the purse strings you know because they're actually part of intercom uh the radio network and oh, nice. so we actually have a pretty 
pretty broad uh, coverage. And they're starting to, oh, you know, this is a thing. They're starting to kind of like kind of become aware of the whole like podcasting stuff. And they're looking into like, well, how how is this something that we can we can monetize this in a way that it can fund itself, right? <clears throat> so it's not just us, you know, nobody gets paid, you know, for doing it right now. We're just, yeah. we do it because it's fun and we like it and, and you know, it's an enjoyable. Um, it, we get to sit around and talk about games and that's always fun, right? Um, but they're looking at it from, you know, a standpoint of like, you know, what can we do to increase uh, the, the viewership or listenership? Um, what kind of tie-ins can we do is from like, you know, people in the the tabletop scene, are they going to be able to want to maybe purchase some time? You know, we can do like a feature review or things like that. So uh, there's lots of interesting things that we're kind of looking at on the, on the far spectrum of stuff. But uh, yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of work because luckily my portion is, you know, minus, minuscule. Uh, I do the Kickstarter, basically Kickstarter roundup. Uh, and I take a look at whatever stuff is on Kickstarter at the time and kind of, you know, go through them and see, you know, what is something that I think people are really going to enjoy, something that's different, unique, uh, that has a chance of, you know, has a a good chance of funding, or if it's uh, something that's in our our friends are working on, like, oh, hey, we know this guy, he's a a friend of the show, he's a friend of our group, we know he's trustworthy, you know, he's he's worth your your funding uh, for this project, so. That's cool. Yeah, you see, you, you've got it easy. I just showed up. I looked at a couple of things. I used practice. Just sit in this chair for a little while. Yeah, it's true. I don't have to do any of the editing, which is so nice. Yeah, I, yeah, I definitely have my fingers in a lot of other pies at the time. So, <laughs> like, if I can keep my workload down to something manageable, like, I mean, the kicks, even the Kickstarter stuff, like, you know, I have to I do a fair amount of research for it. It probably takes me a good four to eight hours to do because uh, I really try and make sure that I'm not like leading people astray that, you know, this thing is going to be viable. Uh, you know, like, it, it's not a case of yeah this person their their previous project uh it took them two years to fund and it was nothing but problems like well maybe you want to avoid that one so we're not gonna mention this game on our right. podcast because he's gonna have the same problems i'm sure uh yeah, probably well and it's interesting too for like for you going in as it is like i go i look at stuff i scroll so I'm like oh that looks cool or this looks cool but you go look at like as a design and be like oh this has interesting mechanics or I haven't seen this before. Or like, you know, you're looking at it with a whole, you know, completely different set of eyes, which I think is, is really useful for people who, you know, maybe don't necessarily know what they're looking for. Like, you know, something catches their eye and like, Oh, I'll do that thing. And maybe they've been burned or not, but you're, you know, providing much more useful information on that regard. Yeah. Well, and, and the other thing is like, there are, not any, any names. <laughs> there are certainly <laughs> games on Kickstarter that have funded very well, but when I've looked at them and I've really like looked at what they're doing mechanically and in the game, like there's not much here from a gameplay standpoint. This is kind of a bad game, or at least a boring one. <laughs> there's really nothing that I don't. I don't think this is a good value add for, or you know, a good spend of someone's money. And it looks cool from an art standpoint. It looks flashy. You know, their Kickstarter is attractive, but if you look at the game, like, no, 
this is not a good game. And so I'll avoid those kind of things and I'll try and focus on the ones that, you know, do have something interesting going on that are going to be things that you aren't going to go, oh, I played that once and it looks pretty and it's terrible. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. Do you find that uh, a lot of the movie tie-ins tend towards that where like, oh, it looks really cool or, you know, oh, it's, you know, X movie. I love that movie. I'm going to get it. And it's like, oh, this is like a board game from like the 80s. You're just, you know, it's Candyland, but it's, you know, pick a movie. Right. Uh, interestingly, I would say no. Um, for the most part. I mean, there are some outliers there that have come out recently or like, and eh, that was okay. Um a lot more movie tie-ins that have been really good games. Uh, Gale Force 9 actually has two. Uh, they did Homeland and they did Sons of Anarchy. And both those are really good games. And I think they were just kind of passed over by people thinking that, you know, it was either a little in the sun or what do they call it? The, the twilight of that, that show's run. And so people were like, meh, it was, a you know, I'm not as interested now because the show is kind of like starting to die out. Sure. But from a gameplay standpoint, they're really fun. Like Sons of Anarchy is an area control game that's pretty easy to get into. It's really thematic because it's all bikers, so you're you're dealing with drugs and guns and and uh, you know messing up other people and getting into into big fights, you know, like turf wars and stuff like that. It's really cool, and they've got some really nice components in it. Um, Homeland is a. Uh, kind of a hidden deduction uh, game where you've got a group of people that are working against these terrorists and there's one person or a couple of people that are there that are actually part of the terrorist cell, but they're all hidden. So they're trying to like make terrorist plots you know, advance and there's guys that are in the, in the political circle and they're kind of in the middle of that because they're politicians, they're jerks. So, you know, they've got their, their things going on and, and everybody's trying to figure out, like, well, who's doing what and what's going on? And things get crazy. Yeah, both are fantastic games. Um, oh, God, was there, there was another one recently that uh, we had a chance to check out that uh, I can't think of the name right now. But I, I think because the people that are getting brought into these, oh, Terminator, that was the other one I was thinking of. Uh, the Terminator uh, board game, uh, Space Goat, I believe, is the, the name of the company. Uh, they're actually up here in, in my neck of the woods, up in uh, the Linwood area, um, or no, up in the Bellingham area. They they brought their game down and showed us their, their prototype. And it's, you know, the T-1000 and you're kind of going back and forth between future and the past. And, you know, it's, it's a bigger game. There's a lot of stuff to it, a lot of minis and all that kind of stuff. But the gameplay was really cool and really interesting. You could tell that these guys were were gamers first like they wanted to create a really fun cool game and take aspects of the the ip and feed that back into the game so that you know you're you're doing things that felt like you're part of that universe cool that's cool yeah i, I saw a lot of good things about the uh, the godfather game too oh my gosh yeah the game's awesome yeah. uh and again, that's that's another one I think is it's fairly easy to get into. Uh, super bloody, like you're just killing people left and right and tossing the bodies in the river, which I think is awesome. Um, you're you're putting money in a little metal tin, so it's like your suitcase. You're you're stashing your your money away, and uh, they the issue that I think they had from a licensing standpoint is they had the license for Marlon Brando, but they didn't have licenses for any 
of the other characters. Oh. So nobody in the game is really like a known person, but that's fine. You know, whatever. Uh, the the rest of the theme is like a hundred percent. You know gangland 20s godfather type stuff here you know shaking businesses down for their money and and uh you know trying to own certain sections of the city and turn around and screwing people over doing car bombings and all kinds of crazy crap but um you know they you could tell uh, eric lang was the designer on that and he said that the godfather was like you know really big important movie to him and it shows like he really sunk that theme into that game you know again making a really cool game first and making sure that the ip was well represented within that fun gameplay cool that's awesome uh, how many how many nights a week do you end up making it up to uh playtest northwest does it depend on whether or not you you know like say have something coming to kickstarter like dice of dice of pirates so you're gonna you know be up there quite a bit you know you try to get out there you know once a week twice a week uh, it's kind of depends on, um, the con schedule. So pretty much every convention they've been at, uh, I've been to, and, uh, this year I've been trying to get to more of the, the one-off like weekend things because they have two different ways that they'll play test Northwest will actually go out and do demos. Um, they'll either be at conventions like, like PAX, they'll be at Geek Girl Con, uh, actually Geek Girl Con's this weekend. That's one we'll be at. And uh, oh, what was I? Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> okay. Thanks, son. <laughs> My daughter's checking on me. She's wanted to make sure that I was okay and didn't eat anything. <laughs> sweet, sweet kid. Um, so, so Playtest Northwest is at most of the Pacific Northwest uh, game conventions. So I'm always at all of those, and they're also at a lot of local game stores, and those are typically a little bit shorter. They're usually like, we'll be at this store on Saturday. We'll be at this store on Sunday. And I try to get those to those whenever I can. Um, as we've been bringing in more and more games that we're working on, because we've got a whole slate of stuff for, for next year. Uh, it's been a little tricky to get to as many of those as I want. And also trying to balance out like the whole like family thing and, and everything yeah. else that's going on. So uh, there's been a couple of times like, well, I need to take this weekend off. Cause uh, like I was at, uh, we did a thing for Gen Cant because uh, we weren't able to go to Gen Con. So we did a, a Gen Cant convention over here. Uh, then I went to Dragonflight and then I went to PAX and then I went to Rose City Comic Con. So after four weekends in a row of going places, I'm like, man, I need a break. I need to just chill at home and not go anywhere because I want to freaking die. Yeah. Yeah, I can imagine. What would he sleep like 48 minutes a night? Like. <laughs> Basically, yeah. Uh, I tried to get to bed between midnight and two, and then get up at five in the morning. So, you know, it's all good. <laughs> I, I don't know how you do. I, I, like, I figure oh, I'm busy, and I'm always running from here to there. And then, like, you know, I see a tweet from you at like, you know, midnight or whatever. Right now, same time zone. I'm like, Jesus Christ! <laughs> what is this guy doing? <laughs> I can't imagine because like, yeah, I know you get up early too, and I'm like, Gee, that's crazy. Yeah, if I get more than like seven or eight hours of sleep, I feel funky. Like, I just don't feel right. Uh, I actually, I was doing some research once to there. Someone found out a way that you could actually do like an hour's worth of sleep a day, Oof. and 
it wasn't something you could just live on doing, but like if you want to do it for like 30 days or something like that, you basically had to uh, starve your, your brain from sleep and you get to a point where you have to do specific, like I, I take a, a nap, it's basically a 15 minute nap at a very specific time and you do it four times throughout a 24 hour period. And you basically train your brain to know that like when I go to sleep, it's in survival mode. So it immediately hits REM as soon as you close your eyes and then you wake up and you actually feel refreshed because you've had 15 minutes of full REM sleep. But to get there is a really difficult thing. Cause again, like you're starving your brain from sleep and trying to like force it into a, a you know, a starvation period. <laughs> so it's really hectic. They're like, we don't advise doing this, but you know, we, we were able to do it for a certain amount of time. Like if you need to like for college or something like that, but as a way to live, like it's not viable long-term. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I, I would imagine guys uh, in the military, you know, like active service, probably, you know, more like that. Like, you know, they hit the ground and they're out, you know, mm -hmm. somebody gets them up and then it's, you know, back to back to whatever. <laughs> it's, it's something my wife gets irritated me about because I I can just immediately go to sleep. Right. I, my head is a pillow and boom, I'm gone. And I think because I'm right at that point. Right. It's like I'm not so bad that my brain's like, ah, I'm never getting sleep. Uh, but I can, you know, I, I get enough that when I wake up after, you know, four or five hours, I'm like, OK, I'm good to go. Let's, let's rock and roll. And she gets she's so irritated at me because in the morning I'll be like, yeah, let's go. I'm, I'm super excited. I'm a total morning person, even though I go to oh. bed at midnight or two. <laughs> she's like, don't talk to me. Okay. <laughs> I got to bed on time last night, which is like 10 for me. That's what I shoot for. And wow. the alarm went off this morning, and it went off for like three or four minutes before I like turned over and was like, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> I hate it. <laughs> my, my natural rhythm is to be awake at night, and I, I've, I've been working the same shift now for uh, my kid's going to be 17 this year, so for like 17 years, wow. I still, if I lay down on the couch in the middle of the afternoon, I will immediately fall asleep. I, it just, it has me so wonky. Like, it took me a good year to get used to it, and then it's like, okay, I can function. Mm -hmm. But I, I it, left to my own devices, I it would completely invert, I would imagine, in not very long period of time. <laughs> This for me is just there's so much stuff that I want to do and and you know things I want to like experience and and see like sleep is is an annoyance to me like <laughs> uh, fine I'll get this out of the way I guess I got to do this thing it's like a chore <laughs> yeah yeah some nights it's like that it's like I've got to get I have to do this at least I have to cross these four things off my list and if that means I'm going to bed at midnight then. I go to bed at midnight and right. the next day really sucks. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's been some mornings where I'm just like, uh, just dragging where I, I may have two of the bigger like monsters, you know, to drink throughout the day, plus three or four cups of coffee. <laughs> <laughs> I can't, I usually, I do like two, you speak of coffee. So let me throw this out. I would just throw this at the end. Neil finally has the page up for Legends Coffee. You can get your legendary brew. I'm not going to give you the web address because it's some convoluted friggin' thing. There's a well, there's not technically there's not a link in the show notes at the moment, but there will be one when we wrap this up. And uh, and there's a page on the website. It's a medium roast. 
So it's got a little bit more caffeine in it than the uh, than the Night Owl blend, which is what I've been drinking. Mm-hmm. Uh, now that my my legendary coffee is available, I'll be making the full switch over to that. I've tried the test blends that he had going. It's fantastic. Uh, so it's if awesome. you're into coffee, if you enjoy it, if coffee is not a tool, and you really enjoy it, then you should try out the legendary brew. And the and the link is on the on the page, and I'll get a link up here in the show notes as well. Awesome. Yeah, I definitely I definitely want to do that. I enjoy the taste of coffee. I mean, it is a tool for me to an extent, but I enjoy flavor. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not just looking to dump, you know, crap in my mouth. Right. So we have a Keurig at work, and it's it's not a good cup of coffee. It's okay. But mm-hmm. like superheating water and like running it through a bunch of plastic, like it can't be good for you, and it's not like the best flavor. So I got a big French press, so I took that to work. But we're pressing, I think it's Folgers, and I sent the guy who worked it. I'm like, what? Order something else from Staples. I can't do this. It's like it's not to keep me from getting a headache in the morning, which is really my only concern in the morning. Right. Uh, so so I have that, and I'm like. Well, I'm not going to do the birds, which, you know, goes against everything I just said, because we drink, you know, between the two of us every day, like we would just kill bags and bags of coffee. Uh, so I'm like, we'll pick up like something other than Folgers because I just taste like shit. I don't get a headache, but it's it's garbage. <laughs> not sponsored by Folgers. <laughs> Uh, but when I get home in the afternoon, like that's my, um, I'll come in and I'm usually already dragging. So I get out my night owl blend, now my legendary brew and, uh, you know, have a, a good, and I take a little bit of honey. Uh, oh, interesting. sugar is sugar, right? So your body processes it like, Oh, it's you have fucking sugar. You diabetic son of a bitch. <laughs> um, I'm not, but you know, uh, but, but the honey is, is, uh, actually like, Different kinds, of like a, 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 just like a teaspoon of honey, is not the equivalent of like a white processed sugar. Uh, it has different sugars in it. Some are more complex than others. So even though it hits your body the same way, it breaks it down differently than just like a straight raw processed sugar. Mm-hmm. So it's a little bit better. And depending on what kind of honey you're using, you know, subtly change the flavor of the coffee. So, have you tried looking at uh, agave? I've used agave before. Um, it's it's relatively expensive, like that or honey. I'm like, mm, they get the honey. <laughs> All right. Yeah, the honey's cheaper. The, so I'm a type two. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I will actually use agave from time to time just because it's better from a blood sugar standpoint. Yeah. Of how your body, you know, processes that. Um, I use that. I use Splenda. Um, I'll use some of the creamers just because I like a little creamer for my coffee. Uh, but the creamers I get are a lot of the sugar-free ones as well. So yeah. So do you want? Uh, I think we're way far afield here. <laughs> do you watch your carbs and stuff like that too? Oh yeah, yeah. When I first got diagnosed, uh, my dietitian told me I had to keep it at no more than sixty carbs per meal. So. <laughs> That's you think like oh well that's not so bad you know but then you're like you could have a burger but then no fries or shake or anything like that like so I drink a lot of water uh, yeah. when especially when I'm at conventions and stuff and so I'll carry mios with me I think we probably got like a dozen different like mio type of stuff you know various flavors and whatnot um, there's a lot of those out there so I, there's a lot of different uh, 
ways that someone can be diabetic and still have the vast majority of things that you kind of expect. It's always a little different, but, um, you know, like for example, bread, you know, is kind of a big one. Like there's lots of carbs in bread. Uh, yeah. I like sandwiches, so that sucks. Uh, but Sarah Lee makes a bread that's like, God, what is it? It's like 12, 12 grams of carbs in a slice of bread. So I can have a sandwich and you know, it's not too bad. Um, there's a, there's an ice cream called Halo Top and they're, they use um, sugar alcohols. And so the way sugar alcohols is processed with your body, it's a lot less detrimental versus a regular sugar. So, you know, that's an ice cream that I can actually have some of. It's not a big deal. Um, there's just, there's a lot of different uh, things that like never used to be around. So if you were diabetic, you're like, well, I'm screwed. I just sort of have to like have a lot of things that don't taste good and uh, <laughs> avoid all the stuff that's fun. Like, oh, no, you can actually do stuff. Right. Yeah, that's again. We're like we're way out, but uh, last time I had my blood work done, it was like dicey, you know, like it was kind of high, and I'm like, well, shit. So I started like cutting down on carbs. Like we don't keep soda and stuff in the house. We don't, you know, keep a lot of candy. And like those are the those are like the big things. Like oh, you know, whatever. Like to cut that up, but it's the carbs. The kids on like every freaking meal, you know, it's like goddamn. And it's not even just like bread. It's it's your vegetables, your your fruit, like everything is you know, fucking carbs through the wazoo. So I started <laughs> drinking my coffee black, you know, no creamers and stuff. And, you know, and I was like, eh, you know, black is okay, black, but, you know, like I'm a little honey, you know, because it's better than the than the white sugar. Like, it's, right. like we're getting old, it sucks, right? So now you're like, fuck, I can't eat bread, I can't do this. Like, <laughs> uh, it's such a pain in the ass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I... I was able to get it under control quick enough. So when I got diagnosed, my, my blood sugar was like 350, right? Mm -hmm. So a normal range is like 80 to 120. So yay, high score for me. That was awesome. Yeah, yeah. Uh, not as win. <laughs> I win. Uh, <laughs> that's the only time I ever get a high score is when my blood sugar. That's fantastic. Um, so they were like, yeah, you're going to have to be on insulin and, you know, start making a massive change to your diet. So, I cut sugar out for a full month. Like I just said, I had nothing with sugar. And knowing that I was a big sugar junkie, after I kind of got over that hump, they're like, oh, okay, now I am able to, like, say somebody has cake, right? Okay, I'll have a bite or two of cake. Because really, I've, what I found out was that you taste the first bite or two of things, and after that, you're just shoveling stuff into your face and, and talking to people. So mm -hmm. for me, a lot of it was just, I want to know what that tastes like. I, I want to be a part of whatever's going on and i'm really curious is that tastes good i'll i'll try a bite hey that's good want any more nope i'm good i have my taste i'm fantastic thanks <laughs> i don't have that craving of like oh i really gotta have that like oh that tastes good i, I don't know uh, and because of that i was able to within six months uh get off of insulin and nice. they put me just on the pills so and i actually had to dial back the amount of pills i was taking because they were making me too dizzy they were lowering my blood sugar too much so i'd like go <laughs> bend down to pick something up and stand up like oh oh my god what's going on <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like let's back our medication off a little so yeah i i quickly got under control i lost a crap ton of weight um normalized out a little bit now so i like i gained a little bit back but you know i'm nowhere near where i used to be so it's been good yeah well kudos to you because like that that's the tough thing people are like 
you know, and not just diabetes, but you know, but like other aspects. Like, okay, you need good. You gotta watch. You, you gotta go to the gym. You gotta do this. People are like, fuck it, just give me a pill. Like, I don't. I'm not gonna do it. You know. Right. <laughs> so that's awesome that you did it. Like, I, I was, I, uh, I have a love hate relationship with the gym. I was going for a while, and then I stopped, and then I started it again, and then I stopped, and then I was like, okay, we're gonna go, and I went one day, and I've been back since. It's like, fuck. <laughs> I know I should go because you know. Getting older, like you worry about all these different things. Like I don't want to have a heart attack one day, you know, or you know, being on air and be like, "Oh, I'm out," you know. <laughs> no, John. Yeah. Somebody has my password, so like you know, they don't foreclose my house or whatever. But <laughs> so, so that, that's awesome that you were able to like, you know, to you know, really dig in and do it, and you know, not have to you know take all the, the injections and all that stuff. That's great. Well, from the from the exercise standpoint, a lot of it's just being active. Right. So instead of taking the elevator to the third floor, pick the stairs. Yeah. yeah. Uh, instead of driving, you know, two blocks over to your buddy's place, walk. You know, it's right. it's if you do that little tiny stuff, it can have a big impact. It, it's not about like and that's why people stop going to, to the gym and doing that sort of stuff. Right. They're like they're big, massive impact on your schedule and everybody's so busy. It's like, ah, crap, I don't have time to you know, spend three hours doing this thing like. Well, if you did like lots of little stuff throughout the day, it's it's a much bigger deal than what people were kind of think about it, and it doesn't impact you in that huge way that you kind of think. Yeah, See, we should have had you when we did the healthy geek thing. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> next time. Next time. Next time. <laughs> All right. Well, let's bring this back around. Let's let's steer this pirate ship back on course. <laughs> Um, so, so you, you'd mentioned you guys have a bunch of stuff coming up. What other cool things are you guys working on? Uh, well, there is one that we've di dialed in pretty well as far as a gameplay standpoint. Um, we're working on the art right now. Um, there's a couple different arts that we're looking at. Uh, if we're talking about potentially having this up on, up on Kickstarter uh, in... February-ish, like maybe mid-late February. Uh, so this one's actually been playtesting a lot at a lot of the Playtest Northwest events. And it's a two-player game specifically. And it's a Cthulhu-themed game where you have... <laughs> yay! Uh, you, have, you have six cards in your hand, and it's a bidding bluffing game of control. So the each card that you have is half of a set. So you and I both have the same cards in our hands. I've got six, you've got six. And say I've got, uh, like, one of the cards is uh, a, a gate. You know, like a, a gate you know, that the Elder Gods would come through. Mm -hmm. So I've got half of a gate, you've got half of that gate. Uh, the gate has an influence number, and influence number is basically a currency that you use in order to get cards moved back and forth. And then it has a victory point count as well. So the way the gameplay is, is you put out a card face down, and then you put out an amount of influence that you're willing to spend to pay for that card. The other player can use their influence to try and like get control of it instead. So say I put out two influence for this card. It's one I really kind of want. Um, you're like, well, you know what, I want to, you seem to want that, so I'm going to spend three influence for it. Well, now, if I want it, I have to spend four, so there's a bit of bidding back and forth. You don't know exactly what it is, so I can try and trap you, make you think it's something I want, maybe it's not, or maybe it is something I really do want, and you're like, ah, oh, crap, now if I want this, I have to spend a whole lot. Um, then whoever wins the card 
gets to flip it face up. Now it's worth victory points for them, and the other player gets all of that influence. Uh, the interesting thing is that those cards can also be used as part of your purchase. So, like, once you have some things out, you can use those cards as an extra influence because they all have influence amounts on them. So now maybe I don't have a whole lot of coins, but I've got a lot of cards that have different influences on them, so I can use those as part of the bid. But I'm sacrificing those victory points. Uh, if you marry both of those cards together, again, like I said, you've got half of it, I've got the other half. Once you marry those cards together, you get this effect. And sometimes there are things like flip one of them face down and then get to do like, uh, I think the gate is you turn one of the cards face down so you're sacrificing a victory point, and then you can flip another player's card face down. So mm -hmm. I can neutralize one of your high victory point cards by neutralizing a low victory point mine of mine. Right, right. Uh, there's things that let you. Uh, there's a an interesting one. Um, there's a Shoggoth. I've got half the Shog half of the Shoggoth. You've got half of a Shoggoth. And the ability of this card is that it's worth negative victory points. Uh, and it's, and, but it's got a positive uh, uh, influence value. So it's a great one to bid with. But if if you get it, you're like, oh crap! Now I've got these negative three victory points kind of hanging out on my board. But if you get both of them, you turn them both face down, and then you turn another player's card face down. So you neutralize all those negative victory points, and you screw someone else out of their points. So there's a lot of like messing with people, you know, trying to figure out like, okay. I know exactly what he has, and as the game goes along, you can start to figure out what they might be playing. Sure. Uh, it's really highly strategic. It's really super thinky, but it plays out in like 15 minutes. Hmm. Um, the like I said, the the base game is there's six cards, and you have four influence, so it's got a super tight economy. And then what we're working on right now is uh, additional cards. So uh, the Elder Gods like Cthulhu and Nerolethotep and all those crazy things. Um, it, the initial feedback we've got from people is that they really, really dig it. You know, it's it's that you, it's easy to teach to people. Like, put out a card and put out a bit of, of influence. How much do you want right. to spend? Right. There you go. <laughs> if you cool. win, you get the card. If not, then you have to sacrifice it. Uh, we're the the big thing on this is just going to be the production value. We want to have a really super high, uh, really cool looking production value for it, like terra size cards, um, more high end tier uh, influence tokens and things like that. Um, the artists that we're looking at have some really really cool uh, art styles, and so uh, depending on which way we go, like either one would be a perfect fit for this game. Um, but there, there are artists that you people haven't really seen in the board game scene before. So I think they can bring some really new and uh, inventive art to the Cthulhu mythos. So yeah, I'm pretty excited about that one. Uh, and that's uh, that's going to be, like I said, one that's going to be in the first quarter. Uh, there's another game that we're working on um, that. It's a it's more of a family oriented game. It's about dinosaurs, so this is one almost kind of like almost like a like a Haba level style of game. Okay. Uh, so the idea is that uh, everybody at the at the table is a a curator. They're archaeologists, and you are collecting pieces of dinosaurs out in the center of the table. And you have two options: you either take two dinosaur parts from the center of the table, or you steal a dinosaur part from another player. 
and you have dinosaur cards in your hand and those dinosaur cards have components that you have to fulfill in order to play them down and be able to you know win them and the first person that is able to build three of their dinosaur pieces for their little museum their archaeological digs uh, then they win so it's pretty simple and it's a game that you can play with kids, but I've done a lot of tests with adults and they've really enjoyed it, which was really cool to see. Like, okay, good. This is a game that you can play with your kids and have fun doing it because there's a little bit of thinkiness to it. Like, well, do I really want these two or do I, I want to steal one from you again, that, you know, competitive, you know, like screw that other player over. Yeah. I mean, I've seen kids like, oh, mom's got stuff that I need. Guess what, mom? <laughs> That's mine. Thanks. <laughs> like, right. Yeah, teach them young. <laughs> Yeah, I, I feel like Dragon Dodge is a lot like that too. Like, you know, we got a review copy. You know, we went thing. I I backed it. I you know I got a copy, and when I had the review copy, it took it to work. And then you know, got, like guy, like older guys would be like, "Hey, do you have that Dragon thing? Did you bring that game today?" Like, no, I'll I'll bring it tomorrow. <laughs> like, ask me all the time. And we we play that at work all the time. Like it's it's just in the in the. Uh, the changes they made were great. The, like the quality, the, the the cards, and the and the and the uh, the tiles and everything is just really good. And because uh, the same thing, like I said, oh, this is like really just like a kids game, but it is. But it's like everybody's super into it. Yeah, yeah. I think games like that are again are really cool. Like so, I think uh, the person that we that we signed on for this, um, I really like the story of how this game came about. Basically, the designer is someone that uh, has done some daily magic games, and it's her son that came up with the game. And I, I want to say he's eight years old, um, and he came up with the idea. And they, they, she worked on the game with him, and she didn't really, she didn't want to control the design, but would ask him questions, kind of get him like figuring out, like, oh, how do I solve this problem? And the idea that you've got a game designed by kids for families, that's a really cool story. You know, that's a really interesting thing. And again, like it's fun, right? So we were able to sign an artist for the game that is a phenomenal artist. Uh, someone that I worked with in the digital space, really cute art style, really, you know, cartoony kind of thing. Um, it, the interesting thing about this is that we're approaching it from an educational standpoint. So each of the dinosaurs are going to have some sort of little blurb about, you know, a little factoid about that dinosaur. That's so cool. uh, all the com all the pieces on those dinosaurs are going to be pieces that actually would be in that dinosaur. Um, they'll look really cute and appealing, you know, from a, you know, a, a wider audience standpoint, but mm -hmm. there's still some factual stuff there. There's still some learning that can happen. So, um, I really like that as a as a concept. I, hopefully, that'll be one that you know will will do really well for people. We're actually going to be looking into um, alternate places to get the game into people's hands, like you know, going to um, like uh, museums and things like that, and showing them like, hey, here's a game that you could you could put in your your gift store. It's educational. It was designed by a kid. It's you know for families. It's really engaging and fun. Um, so that's another one that we're looking at for, for next year. Um, I got Dirty Cops that I'm still working on uh, with some changes. Uh, the couple of, I've had a couple of play tests I've been able to do with some, some tweaks that it made the setup time a lot less, so which was good. And it actually, 
made it a lot more engaging for everybody. Because one of the problems that I had before was that sometimes you go into a round of combat and the criminals may not be attacking you. And you're like, well, good, okay, nobody's attacking me, awesome. I'm just going to load up on you know the, the take that cards and just screw everybody once uh, all this combat's done. Um, the, the change I made was basically you have um, a number of cards based on each player account. And at the time that, that criminal's going to attack, you flip over a card and find out who they're shooting. So you don't know. You go into combat, you're like, they could be going after anybody. It's, you know, it's all fair game, which I, I thought made a lot more sense thematically, right? It's not like some criminal is going to go, hey, officer, don't worry about it. I'm not going to shoot you. I'm going to shoot your buddy. It's cool. So um, the initial uh, feedback we've got from that was that it felt really good. It felt, you know, a lot more well-balanced. Uh, the, the issue now that I'm kind of dealing with is that people wanted to go too much on the combat cards. So I need to rebalance the numbers a little bit better right now. So um, the change is good. I just need to twiddle with the, the numbers a little bit and get that a little more back balanced. So that's another one we're looking at for next year. So there's a, there's a couple, couple things to be thinking about on the horizon. Nice. I'll get you a pencil, oh, <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> That's cool. That's cool. The uh, the um, the the bid mechanic for uh, for the the, the Cthulhu theme game reminds me a little bit of Isle of Sky. Like, so you have, you know what you have, and you know what you're putting out, and you're like, hey, this is ten coins or five, you know, seven coins or whatever it is, and then you do kind of have that. You know, I want it more than. There's less bluffing because everything's face up on the table, but it just right. kind of reminded me of that a little bit of, uh, you know. <laughs> Putting in your influence on it, you know, try to force someone to go yep. you know, higher to, if they really wanted it. <laughs> and there's also that, I mean, you know that that in order to trigger any of your abilities, with there's a couple of cards that, that have an ability just by itself. Like, they don't need to be married to anything. Um, but the vast majority do. So you know that in order to trigger ability, you have to win a player's card. So... You, it might be worthwhile to kind of go all in and grab something. Um, a lot of the games, they're either really close, like a point or two difference between the winner and the loser, or they're massive sweeps, right? Like it, you just get dominated. And the thing that I've had people say is that after that first play, they're like, okay, I made some, I, I see where I did some things wrong and how I can try and play better the next time. So it's one that really rewards continued play, right? Um, because, it, again, you know, it, it goes so quickly. You're like, okay, well, I really want to be able to use this. If I use this thing, you know, it's really risky. Maybe that's worth taking a risk on. Uh, people haven't really seen the needing two cards to be married together. And actually, the art is actually split across both cards. Nice. So half of the art is on one, half of the art is in the, on the other. So you actually like put them together and like now you see the entire picture. That's cool. And, and we were talking off air a little bit about uh, some exclusive uh, stretch goal stuff. Do you want to talk about that at all? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So uh, one of the things I mentioned, the, the Dice of uh, Pirates versus Dice of Crowns. That's one of the stretch goals that we're working on. Uh, it's, the the pirates all working together against the the royals that's a, a future stretch goal so we're we're working on the the, the full details of how that's going to play out still a couple of balancing that we, we need to tweak on but um 
it's pretty it's pretty close there. I'd say it's like 80-85% ready. Uh, so we'll see if the, they can get that as, as one of their stretch goals. Um, there, there's another one, but I, I won't say what that one is. So I could leave some <laughs> some interesting things for people to to see. But uh, I I really hope that and I feel like we'll get there. Um, if if Dice of Pirates hits at least what Dice of Crowns did, uh, then people will be able to get kind of everything that they're expecting and a little more. Nice. Now, is this one uh, a little bit longer of a period? Because I, you know, as I was looking today, it was like twenty six days left, and I feel like it's been, you know, a week or two since it's been. It's been out. about a week. Okay. Um, and it was a little longer than we were really wanting. Typically, we want our Kickstarters to be eh, within twenty five, thirty days or so. Um, the reason why it had to be longer is we want we had to get in the date that we got into just because of of other games that we knew were coming to Kickstarter. So we wanted to kind of get ahead of the curve a little bit, mm-hmm. but we also want to be live during two different, uh, two different conventions. Uh, one of them is GeekeroCon, which is this weekend. And another one is Central City Comic Con, which is uh, the 21st and 22nd of October and down in, in Yakima. Uh, they've been, this will be, year three of the con, I believe. And they have a, a really big tabletop gaming uh, focus for their con as well as like, you know, the comics and having different, uh, you know, geek world people showing up. Like they've got Carol Spiney, uh, who does uh, the voice of Big Bird uh, oh. is coming to the con. Uh, they've got some people from Breaking Bad that are showing up, uh, some Power Rangers and stuff like that. Uh, so they're, they're trying to grow it into be a much bigger comic convention for the central Washington east side of the state and I've been there since day one and one of the things that I've been doing is that and I I started doing last year and I'm going to be able to do it this year is I bring a bunch of games along along with the ones that I'm I'm playtesting but I bring games along as a prize and so every couple of hours I'll do raffle tickets you know after people are done playing a game, give them a free raffle ticket, and we do drawings for, you know, free games. And it's stuff that, you know, I'm pulling out of my own collection that I'm just, eh, I'm not really playing this anymore. Um, a lot of my gamer buddies that are like, you know, big Kickstarter backers and stuff, they're like, yeah, we'll donate a bunch of stuff to you as well. So I show up with a whole lot of games. <laughs> so people are like, wait, we get to play games and we win free games? That's awesome. And the con yeah. owner's like, we want you back. You're awesome. You, you have a big draw. Like, yay, everybody's getting to have fun. That's cool. That's uh, kind of what it's about for me. And so since they really support me, uh, I wanted to be sure that we had Dice of Pirates up during the, the end of that con. So the, the, the Kickstarter will be ending basically that that Monday after uh, I get back from that. So okay. Yeah, it, it struck me when I looked at it. And I was like, mm. yeah. <laughs> Ideally, it would have been shorter, but like, well, we want to hit both these cons. Okay, well, that's what you got to do. Hey, no, that's cool. Do you have like a whole room full of games? Like, is your garage packed? Like, I know you're a super backer on Kickstarter. <laughs> like, is your wife ready to throw you out now? Like, <laughs> oh, she was ready to throw me out long ago. <laughs> uh, let's, <laughs> let's see. I. I'm looking at a bunch of games in my closet right now. Uh, in my garage, I've got a big Calyx uh, shelf that she picked up for me. That's packed full uh, with some games on top. And I've got some games at work on a on a shelf. And I've got some games here beside my bed as well. 
<laughs> so I've got a couple. Yeah, just just a few. Nice. <laughs> so how how tall is your uh, stack of shame? Is uh, do you have many games that you haven't played yet? Oh my god! Yeah, it's it's way bigger than it really should be. <laughs> Is it at least as tall as you? <laughs> Probably. Uh, I, it would not surprise me. Yeah, there's just, there's some like I really want to get to this game, but oh my god, the rules on this are are a nightmare to pour through. Or, or you know, this one's a really long game. Hopefully, I, I can get this over to the table. Uh, Millennium Blade is one that I've got that I've been really wanting to play because I'm a big Magic: The Gathering fan, and Millennium Blade is basically uh, a Magic: The Gathering uh, tournament in a board game so it's it's very meta so each card is basically a a pack of cards so there's a whole building your deck and and buying stuff and then playing the tournament and then once you play the tournament then whatever you win is rewards you can go back and you can sell cards and there's an economy to it so it's like this like three hour long game right this whole experience but it it feels like you went down to play Magic: The Gathering, and you know you bought a bunch of cards to you know to tweak your deck and you know try to make the best tournament deck possible. Uh, it's it's really crazy the way they did it, um, and it's supposed to be really really good. I haven't been able to get it to the table yet. It's freaking annoying. But yeah, what are you gonna do? We 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 do a lot of extra gaming, so I get to do. I probably I play a whole ton of crap, so. I can't complain all that much. Uh, like um, we're gonna be doing a, a thing for Extra Life, uh, where we play games for twenty-five hours, and I think we're gonna be live streaming it with uh, Late Night Tabletop over uh, over Twitch. So nice. that'll that'll be a lot of fun. We'll be playing a whole ton of games then as well. So cool. There you go. I do most of my gaming at work anymore, and like <laughs> so we, you know, I bring lighter games, quicker games, and. You know, we get like we played three games of Samurai yesterday in an hour. And, uh, I think we did two today, but like you know, Oni Tom or Love Letter, or, you know, Dice of Crowns, soon to be Dice of Pirates. Yeah, um, yeah, you know, Lantern. Like all anything we can get in, you know, a half an hour, and maybe I'll bring two games or three games. It's like all right, we can only play two of these. You know, we'll play one. You know, pick two, and we'll play one game of each, or you know, or we'll do you know try to get three games in. You know, we'll get a rubber match. Somebody wins one, somebody wins the other. I'm like, oh, we got to play one more. We have enough time. Shit. Eh, nobody's <laughs> paying attention. Let's set it up again. Nice. Have you uh, have you tried King Domino or, or Codenames I Duet? Uh, I played King Domino at uh, RocketCon here in, uh, in Tucson uh, a couple of months ago. Uh, we played one or two playthroughs, and I know you were, spoke really highly of it, and it, yeah. it didn't catch me when I play. I would definitely play it again. Uh, I wouldn't run out to get it right away. Mm -hmm. um, it was interesting. Uh, I was terrible. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it was one of those things, like, it wasn't one of the ones that was like, oh, yeah, I, I you know, I gotta have that. Uh, but it's okay. I, I think it's, yeah, it's, there's not a whole lot of direct scrooge. To, there, there can be a little bit. You're like, well, I know you're really wanting this specific tile, so I'm going to take this just mm. because I need to keep you from getting it, uh, right. which is a little screwy. Uh, but it's more, it's um, trying to build, you know, the best version of your little kingdom that you can, right? So, mm. 
I can see maybe it not being totally your cup of tea just because it doesn't have that direct, like, kind of in-your-face aspect to it. Um, Codenames Duet is one that I picked up, but I haven't had a chance to play yet. But the fact that it's a two-player version of Codenames struck me as being very interesting. So that's one I want to try out. Right. That's cool. Yeah, I, I tend I tend to something I can play with two if it's just not a just outright two player. Like I'm I was at the at the uh, Isle of Games, which is one of my local store, the store that I go to all the time, uh, to pick up Jiraku, but they didn't have it yet. Because um, I'd seen it come across Twitter and come across Twitter, and I'm like, what the hell is going? On? So I started looking, and I'm like, well, this is an old game. Uh, so I'm friends with Seth Jackson, Seth. Jaffe. So I, you know, shot him a message on Twitter. I'm like, did you guys just license this? Like, what the hell is going on? He's like, oh yeah, it came out of Gen Con. I'm like, oh, okay, all right, we'll have to see if we can get it. And so I went in, and they're like, no, the distributor doesn't have it yet. Or, you know, as soon as it comes in, we're going to get it. It's probably going to be like another two weeks. I'm like, all right, well, give me a call, whatever. Right. <laughs> but it's, it's, you know, two to two to four, I think. Yeah. So, it's like, you know, I can do that at work with two or if we, you know, if we get three or I can like, play with my brother when he comes over. So that, that's kind of stuff that I kind of gear towards. One of the ones that I'm uh, we're going to try and get in here soon is uh, photosynthesis. Which I've seen that too, yeah. That's, it's a really pretty game. Uh, Blue Orange, man, like they've just been killing it as far as like the production quality of all their stuff. Uh, there is a little bit more of a of a take that nature just to how you place things because it, the the idea of that one is that you're growing trees and everybody has their own like tree color and you put them all together and they actually fit inside the box like the whole production value of how they handled putting the the things away and setting it up was really well done um but you're growing up these trees and you can actually like screw people out of points by growing your trees taller than theirs <laughs> because if your tree happens to be casting shade, they don't get anything for that. It's like your tree is like blocking it out of like the life-giving nutrients it right. needs from the sun, and the sun's moving around the board. So you can really screw someone over one turn, but then maybe not as much on the next one unless you can place, you know, competitively. And and you're kind of like always trying to balance out like when I need to tear a tree down for points, or you know whether I'm trying to grow it up to be able to you know score it really big and where I want to place it and all that kind of stuff. So it's really, it's pretty easy to learn. Like the rule book isn't really huge, but uh, it's, and I think it, like playtime's like 30 to 45 minutes or so. So, you know, it's one of those, like if you've got an hour long lunch, you can probably get into. Mm-hmm. That's not too bad. We, we've been playing a lot of Lotus recently too. Nice. Yeah. I, I picked that up. There was a new store that opened. I'm so like, ah, let me go in, check it out. Local community, blah, blah, blah. So my kid saw it, and she was like, oh, this is pretty. And I'm like, I'll buy it if you'll play it. <laughs> She's like, oh, I'll probably play it. So we got home, I started opening up. I'm like, come on. She's like, no, I don't want to play it right now. I'm like, God, fucking damn it. <laughs> so we went, so I took it to work. We played it to work. I mean, we, we played it like a half a dozen times before she and I finally sat down to play it. And uh, she was like, oh, I like it. It's, you know, it's cool. It's pretty, you know, it's cool. And it, it's fun. Again, you know, it's just like all of us to work, a bunch of dudes. It's like, did you bring Lotus? Did you, did you bring that game with the flowers? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a bag. I want to make pretty flowers. <laughs> but it's cool because, you know, again, you get those up. Do I take the victory points or do I take the thing that breaks the rules? And, like, mm-hmm. if you're the guy that breaks the rules, you're like, oh, cool. I got this. I got 
you know, I got enough power on here. I'm going to put my little, uh, uh, little guardian on there. And like, oh no, I have my elder guardian. So let me throw this down first. And then <laughs> let me throw these two cards. Like, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a great game. So it's, a, it's definitely has a whole lot of, uh, direct player interaction. <laughs> yeah, it's been a lot of fun. Uh, all right, so we, we should probably wrap up again because we could probably just do this for hours, right? right. <laughs> so uh, there's links in the in the show notes. You want to go out and, and, and check out Dice of Pirates. It's only ten bucks. Uh, it's two to six players. You play fifteen minutes a half hour. If you like Dice of Crowns, you're gonna love Dice of Pirates. Uh, if you've had one. Hopefully you'll be able to play the two of them together. So if you want to hedge your bets, like, you know, get in, make sure, you know, they'll, they'll probably hit that stretch goal. So then you've got roll both of those games into one and then just have to wait for that third one to come out. And it's just be like a big, there's probably mass combat rules. There may be some other weird things going on. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> but we'll have Sean on again. He can tell us all about it. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> So cool! I want to thank you for coming on. All the links and stuff for uh, you know in the show notes there for people to check out the Instagram and the Twitter and uh, obviously the the Kickstarter page. So uh, you know, I appreciate you coming on. It's it's always a pleasure to have you. It's great to just like get in and you know talk about food and you know <laughs> what we're eating and <laughs> our blood results. Exactly, scintillating. <laughs> No, I really appreciate you having me on. It's always a blast talking with you. And, and you know, this is one of the things I really love about the hobby is just like really cool friendships that we get to have because, hey, if it wasn't for this, you know, I wouldn't have gotten a chance to meet you. And you're a really cool guy. And it's awesome getting to kind of hang out with you when I get to. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. I, I wish I was going to PAX Unplugged because I know you're going to be there. And it was one of the things that was kind of pushing me in that direction. And, uh, you know, Danny's going to be there. And, uh, you know, uh, Jeff Wilkins from uh, Into the Darkness and, and, you know, obviously my, my itinerant co-host Vince is uh, still in Jersey. So, like, there's there's a lot of things pushed me out. But it was like, ah, spend so much money at Necronomicon and, you know, you're coming into, like, holiday season and stuff. And I'm like, ah. And I was just talking to, uh, you know, Steel Empire today on Twitter. He posted something. Uh, they were going back and forth. He goes, oh, the guy must be from North Jersey. And I'm like, Burlington County representing. He's like, no way. And I'm like, yeah, not anymore. But he's like, oh, I'm in, you know, Gloucester County. I'm like, well, shit. <laughs> I, I really wish I was coming out now because there's just like, so many people that are going to be there. And it's like, ah, I'm going to be at home. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's too bad. Yeah. yeah, I'm really excited. I'm just just be able to get finally over to that side of of the country and you know hang out with some of the the people that you know get to talk to on Twitter or Instagram or whatever you know that don't typically get to see because I'm over on the West Coast stuck over here. So yeah, yeah, that, that is the cool thing about you know being able to podcast and you know kind of being adjacent to the community is is like you said you know the friendships and getting the to, you know to, to hang out with people and talk to people and you know learn about new games new things that are coming out and you know you know things that you guys are working on and it, it's really cool for me to you know to to be a part of that in some way and and you know we're not pushing it you know you're not selling another hundred thousand copies of dice of pirates because you're on tonight but you know if you sell a couple like hey that's cool you know and it's just cool exactly. to hang out and you know just chew the fat and you know yeah it, it's a lot of fun <laughs> yeah yeah this is a fantastic hobby and the, everybody in it is you know super really really nice and really cool um 
uh, I was able to have uh, a, a write-in interview with Carla from uh, Weird Giraffe. Uh, she is uh, one of the like contributors to uh, a certain. Uh, can I can I think of the the name of the group? <laughs> I'm a terrible person. Uh, anyway, she she has a game up uh, on Kickstarter right now, uh, and the fact that you know she was able to talk to me and you know was interested in in my game and you know i gave her a lot of shout outs and and press you know back and uh stellar leap that's the the name of her title really cool like space space game uh 4x space game and you know that's really cool like she she didn't have any real vested interest you know from like a business standpoint to you know, to back my game and and to mention on on her social media stuff, but she did. You know, and I did the same thing because it's cool. I, I want to see her game do well because I'd like to play it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah we, we have uh, selfish motives in that regard. <laughs> yeah, that's really the only selfish. Motive. I want to play her game. Damn it, <laughs> do well. <laughs> Yeah, no, that, that's cool. I mean, that, that's, yeah, it, it is a really good community. I mean, uh, my experience has been overwhelmingly positive and, you know, of course you always get those outliers and stuff. And, you know, fortunately, uh, you know, we, we haven't experienced any of that and, and I'm, I'm glad to see that you haven't either. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's cool. I mean, it, it's, it, it's all about the camaraderie and the friendships and everything else. So it's, 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 it's just been so much fun to be able to do this. Yeah, for sure. This uh, this is why we need to spread the word and let people know. Like, this is a really cool hobby to be a part of. You know, a lot of really neat people. Mm-hmm. Support your local stores if you have yes. one. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Go out and meet like-minded people and play games. <laughs> <laughs> so cool. So so thanks again. This is a, a pleasure as always. Thank you, sir. Absolutely. Anytime, you know, uh, I'm here. You just got to shoot me an email. We'll definitely get you on. We'll make room for sure. Sweet. Awesome. All right. Thanks, everybody, for checking it out. And we'll catch you next time. Thanks, everybody. This podcast is a proud member of the Legends of Tabletop Broadcast Network. For more gaming-related content, please visit www.legendsoftabletop.com.